0: right now it's time for the live wire
2: live wire connect
3: a soundbite we didn't get to during the debate we had in the last segment was a piece of audio from cj stroud who joined the pivot podcast and offered up his thoughts and opinions on his good buddy Bryce Young and the rookie season he endured here in Carolina.
1: In his shoes, I feel like a lot of stuff didn't go his way that was out of his control. You know, like you can't make a play if somebody don't block, you can't make a play if somebody don't catch the ball. Like, and when you watch the tape, like Bryce did a lot of great things. Yep. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be a great player, but it takes time. You know, like I think I came into a situation where, you know, we were struggling, I know, but like. Uh, we still had a lot of good pieces, and, and Nick Casario, our GM, brought in a lot of good vets. You know, D'Amico was the perfect coach for our, our type of team. So, like, I think our rhythm, and, you know, like I said earlier, everybody's path is different. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I had a good rookie year, and Bryce is going to have a great second year. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully I do too, but, like, I know everything is going to be fine for him. And I told him, like, you the one, bro. Yeah. You the one for a reason. Like, don't ever, ever, like, and he's not going to, but don't ever look at yourself different, bro. Right. Like, ever.
3: We we learned during the week of the game against the Texans that they are very close friends, and they shared conversations and messages with each other up until the week of the game. What did you think, Wes, of what? Uh, C.J. Stroud had to say about the fellow rookie quarterback here in Carolina.
2: Well, we've been talking about the positivity of Dave Canales and Bryce Young a lot and how that can permeate through a football team. And I think we just saw a great example of that there. And we saw that all season long from C.J. Stroud and what his advice was to Bryce Young. And I think that that was excellent. And I know that those two guys are friends and From everything I've heard from C.J. Stroud, whether I heard him on a pivot or different platforms, that's just the type of guy he is. And you know that's how he is in the locker room and that's how he is on the field. And that's why those guys have responded to him In the way that they have. So I think that that is a fantastic ally to have. There's no contention between these two where CJ Stroud's sitting there gloating or feeling like he's one up Bryce. We know a lot of times with our athletes, we expect them to be adversarial towards one another. But CJ is a guy that genuinely wants to see his brother, his friend play well. And no, they're not real brothers for those of you out there who might get it confused. But uh, I love the messaging from CJ Stroud. And I think it's just something else to just help Bryce to keep fighting a good fight.
0: CJ Stroud sounds like a leader every time you hear him talk, man. Yes, that's how it's always been, and it was interesting because at the beginning of this draft process, I don't know how much you can really put into that. Like, I just by hearing his interviews coming into the league, I it's really hard to say, oh, okay, he's the leader that this team needs, and it's like, okay. I just want him to complete passes as well. Like, of course, I want him to be that franchise quarterback. And I don't know if that was a distinguishing factor between him and Bryce Young. I don't know if I look at Bryce Young as not being the leader, but I do love that CJ Stroud is not only defend, or, you know, not only being the leader for the Houston Texans, but also like making points about Bryce Young rather than just say, oh, man, he's going to figure it out. It's going to be good. And no, he actually focused a little more on what the message could be while defending Bryce Young. And I thought that was really cool of him to do.
3: One thing we've talked about since the season started going the way it went and since we got into the offseason is that Bryce Young needs some weapons around him. And um Brian Bosarge, I think that's how I pronounced that last name, he joined the Kyle Bailey show to talk about the chances that the Panthers could get their number one wide receiver with the thirty
4: third pick in the NFL draft. If T Higgins for some reason the Bengals let him hit the market, I don't think they will. I think they're in franchise tag. But if he was somehow hit the market, they should back up the truck and just sign T. Higgins to be their number one receiver. How, with that being said, uh, if that is not the case, like I don't think it will be, they should look at somebody. And I think, uh, you know, going back to my mock draft today, I mocked him Don a Donnie Mitchell, the uh, wide receiver from Texas. I think he's a big-bodied guy with athletic upside, chance to be a number one wide receiver, great catch radius. I think he'd be a good target for Bryce Young because we've got to surround him with weapons. I'm not ready to give up on him just yet.
3: Wes, no, Walker, more likely the Panthers get their number (laughs) one pick in the form of free agency, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, or they use that draft pick at number 33 to get Bryce Young another weapon.
0: More likely thing to happen? Yeah. Trades are hard to make happen. Or, I mean, at least signings even with Mike Evans having to pry him away from San Francisco. And then if you get T. Higgins, remember we had Joe Goodberry on who covers the Cincinnati Bengals at a high level. And he expects Cincinnati to hit T Higgins with the franchise tag and then maybe they will trade him and at that point it's always harder to make a trade happen I view that 33 overall pick as a 50-50 proposition are they going to select an offensive lineman or are they going to select a wide receiver with maybe a few other positions mixed in there but I do think it's 50-50 really between those two I ultimately think the higher odds are or the better chances I should say are towards them using that 33 overall pick on a receiver Um, but anything on the table, especially now that you have so many Bucks connections. If Mike Evans does choose to leave and if you want to trade for T Higgins and bring him closer to home, I think that's on the table too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how they do this, but Joe Burrow's contract is very team friendly. I mean, once his contract starts to hit that base salary is in the 25 to 27 million range or 2025, 2026, and 2027. So it just might be doable for them to sign T. Higgins because you know Jamar Chase is coming up, and they've also got some important free agents on the docket, whether you talk about Reader, Hill, Tyler Boyd. they probably end up letting Tyler Boyd go, which could be another target for the Panthers as a consolation, but Boyd is a slot. So that would be interesting if you choose to get rid of – and sign Tyler Boyd in that slot position. I don't know that you're going to do that, but I think that'd be interesting to have two slot receivers. But I just tried to look over that payroll and see what they've got going on. But Burrow's contract is friendly enough that it could be a real possibility that T. Higgins stays. But again, like they said, if he does not, I think the Panthers need to go after him with full force.
3: Another area that the Panthers need some help is among the offensive line, and we'll stick with the draft talk. Sarge also said while he was on with Kyle that the offensive line class this year is deep, and you can find potential starters later in the draft.
4: The depth of the offensive line class this year is great. Um, You're going to be able to get starting level, especially on the interior of the offensive line. You're going to get starting level guys, I think, into the fourth, maybe even fifth round. Mm. Uh, Offensive tackle's deep, but I think we're going to see a run on those guys towards the end of the first round, which, you know, I I don't know if they want to trade. I don't think they should trade what little draft capital they have to move up into the back end of the first round to get one of those guys. But if they do, I believe they're going to see a handful of them there. I think we saw a handful of them down here at the Senior Bowl. Guys like uh, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, uh, Jordan Morgan, Arizona, uh, Kingsley uh, Sua Maatea from BYU. These guys, I think, are, are developmental-type offensive tackles that you know could pay off in the long run. But I also think you know if you're looking at 33, you could see some of those guys sitting there at the top of the second round if that's the direction they want to go.
3: Wes, you played offensive line at a high level in the ACC, and you've kind of led the charge saying that you may have to look to move Icky inside to guard. Should the Panthers draft with that mindset that they're moving Icky to play left guard and they still got to identify their left tackle?
2: I think that that's got to be music to your ears for one, that there's going to be that kind of talent in the draft because maybe you could snag two guys because the thing too is always all about salary. If you can get two guys out of this draft that you're paying rookie salaries to to end up becoming starting level players for you and end up becoming really good players, then that will be phenomenal. And so as far as what you asked me, I think that they'll probably give Icky one more chance to prove that he's the guy. And if he cannot, then I think they're going to make a uh, change there. So I think that to answer your question and be decisive, I think that you go ahead and draft interior guys with the plans of having Icky Aquano as your left tackle next season.
0: I agree. You used a sixth overall pick on Icky. It doesn't mean that you have to put him out there on the outside, but it does mean what other options are you going to roll with right now? I guess you could sign some other guys to see if they can play left tackle, but it's hard. And at least you have some film of Icky putting together a nice enough season at left tackle in his rookie year. It went horribly wrong last season, but I just don't think it would be smart business to give up on him right away and then try to find another left tackle, move Icky inside, when honestly, when Corbett was healthy, he was a good guard. When Brady Christensen was playing last two years ago, we thought Brady Christensen did a good enough job, but I do think that it's you know certainly on the table for not next season, but two years from now, and then we'll see what happens with Icky Iquanu.